You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadab. Well, the big news of the day, Tyreek Hill was traded from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins, so we might as well talk about it. I think the biggest, um, the biggest thing with that among Packer fans is the compensation. It's certainly not everybody, but there is a a, um, certain contingent, and I think it's fair to say it's generally the same people that like to trash Brian Gutekunst for everything, that are having a really fun time saying that we got fleeced. People that, you know, believe that we should have gotten more for Devontae Adams are using this as justification that clearly we didn't get enough for Devontae Adams, we got ripped off, uh, Brian Gutekunst got fleeced, blah, blah, blah. Let's start there. First of all, as I said yesterday on the Twitters, basically, if you use the Rich Hill trade chart, which I I can tell you flat out that it's inaccurate, but that isn't to say it's not the best metric. It's kind of like when I use the consensus big board. If you look at any one big board, you'll find guys all over the place. And very few people actually line up with that consensus big board. But I still use the consensus big board because it's the best sort of benchmark. When I look at a, a, a different person's big board, and let's say I see Kyle Hamilton getting drafted at 16, the benchmark tells me that that's kind of crazy. Doesn't mean it's wrong necessarily. But that's the one that's kind of out of place with what everyone else is doing and what the expected is. So it's just sort of a baseline of what is sort of normal and expected. And you start there and you say, well, that they didn't give up very much. That was a pretty good deal or they gave up a lot. But if you go back and look at things historically and say, "Um, you know, this is probably what somebody it's, it's all over the place. People giving up way, 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 way more compensation and people giving way, way, way less. Teams just kind of do whatever. And really, it just has to do with, with the value for the teams. You might have a team that really wants to trade back and a team that's not super interested, but if you give me a really good deal, I'll do it. And, and they just work out whatever, man. It's not, I mean, they, they don't have their trade charts out and just going, yeah, but this is the compensation. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. You know, price gouging is illegal. I, I just, I can't. If you really, really want it, then you can spend as much as you want. So it's really all over the map. And that's why when I do trades like in the draft, I'll stick to the Rich Hill chart and people can freak out and I'll show them the math. Um, but, but immediately, if, if they're any bit intelligent, um, and that's an unfair way to put it because I couldn't do it. If they have really good memories, a lot of times they'll just, they'll just go back in their brain or just do way too much research to prove me wrong to find a trade that's, that's 
very different than what I did, which isn't hard to do because all trades are crazy. But anyways, using that trade chart, the compensation is basically equal. I think you could say the Chiefs are um, slightly ahead. It's hard to say because the the math isn't exact. I mean, not again, the, the math in general isn't exact. But the problem is there's two next year's picks and, and there is a... Um, there is a general belief, or, or, or I guess just the way it works, is next year's compensation isn't as valuable, which I'll never understand. If, I'm dead serious. If I was a GM, the first thing I would ask when we'd have our meetings is, why don't we trade this year's picks for next year's picks? I mean, every year, I'll, I'll trade my second round for a first round, my third for a second, my fourth for a third. But then you wouldn't get anybody. Yeah, but next year, I have two firsts, two seconds, two thirds, two fourths, two fifths, and two sixths. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to trade my second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, when, by the way, I have two of each, for another first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. And so I'll have three firsts, three seconds, three... You know what I mean? Why wouldn't you do that? It's the easiest way to rip everybody off in the world. If teams are that stupid to not realize that there really isn't less value just because I want it now? If teams are going to be that greedy that because I want it now is more important than the future? If you're that stupid, I will do that every year. And, and granted, everybody's going to be completely without picks at some point. I, you know, there's so many, only so many people you can rip off for being stupid. But at some point, I look forward to owning you know, 17 first-round picks 16 second round picks, 19 third round picks, <laughs> you know, and just, I will own the NFL. I mean, I guess the problem with that is you can only keep so many people, but I will just have all the best people. I sound like Donald Trump now. I'll have the best people. We have all the best picks. <laughs> Anyways, it, the whole thing is stupid, but that's just how that works. It's less valuable because it's in the future and I am a greedy, petulant child. Whatever. Can give up three first round picks Heck, I'll give up seven first-round picks for the best quarterback in the NFL because what do I care? I got 10 of them. <laughs> Stupid. Um, but again, the math isn't exact, but generally, they're about equal. In fact, they're so close to equal that it would be kind of ridiculous if you didn't realize that the Chiefs were basically saying, you're not getting him unless you give me the same compensation the Packers got. In other words, the Packers set the market. Another interesting take on this that I've seen a couple people say on Twitter, which I think is, is true and also brilliant, is the only reason, and this makes me happy, and I'm, I, I shouldn't say this because it's not nice, but I'm going to say it anyways because it makes me giggle. Um, I don't like the Chiefs too much. They win, and I don't like teams that win, and they can stick it. Also, I've been predicting that they're in collapse mode for a while, and that continues. But the only reason, and, and this isn't 100%, but it's about 90% accurate in my mind, at least in terms of uh, potential, the only reason Tyreek Hill is not a chief right now is because of the Packers and Devontae Adams and the, the Raiders' compensation for him. If Devontae didn't just reset the market, and Tyreek's now able to say, I actually want more than that guy got, they probably work out a deal. So again, none of this is a coincidence. The fact that Tyreek got as much as he got, and again, I don't know what the real numbers are. Devontae got 28, but it sounds like it's actually 22. So it's so stupid what the actual contract is. Tyreek got 30, but it's actually what? I have no idea. Don't know. Don't know what the structure is, how that all works, but presumably it's more. But it's not a coincidence that he got 30 when Devontae got 28, because he just wants the next highest. I'm, I'm 
the next in line, and that's that's how it works. And again, it's not just about who's the best. We've seen this all the time with quarterbacks. I think after Rodgers got paid last time, it was almost the exact same thing as Devonta. He was the highest paid quarterback for like a week, and then he got leapfrogged from like by like Jimmy Garoppolo or something stupid. Like, are you freaking serious? You're saying Jimmy's better? No, he's just next. Or, or it might have been Matt Stafford or something. But it, it's not about better. It's just about next. Now, granted, it has to be one of the top guys. You know, MVS is not going to get 32 now. But if you're a top guy and, and teams are desperate for you, you say, okay, he got 28, I want 30, period. So let's start with the fact that they're basically equal. And let's let's also add in, again, the value is value is such a weird thing in the NFL because it's 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 basically just whatever it is. We have no concept of that. What the Packers got for Devontae is stupid in a very good way for us. It's stupid. L- let me just paint a scenario for you. Let's say your parents have two children, you being one of them, obviously. That's that's easy math for us all, right? Your parents have two children. You're the oldest and you have a little brother. They have $21,000 in their bank account and they're 50 years old, right? They're, they're relatively young, 60, whatever. They're healthy, they're good. They give you $10,000 as a gift, 10 grand. And when you get 10 grand, you're thinking, I don't know if that was smart for you to do, but this is crazy generous and holy cow, I'm so excited. And then next week, they give your little brother 11 grand. There's a couple things at play here. Number one, that was really stupid because now they have no money right? You shouldn't do any of this. None of this makes any sense. Number two, they gave your little brother more money, which doesn't seem right. I mean, if, if anything, it should be equal, but also I'm, I'm older, so we, uh, you're older, we're older. Me and you are, are the older brother in this scenario, apparently. So, I mean, I'm not saying I deserve more, but I kind of feel like if anything, I'm the one that should have got it. But the real point here is you got 10 freaking thousand dollars. To say that you got ripped off, is insane. Well, I clearly got ripped off because if he's worth 11,000, I should have gotten like 15,000. Where, where in the world? Where, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not how this works. The point is we start from being grateful. And if somebody wants to pay above and beyond what Devante got in terms of compensation and money for Tyree Kill, that doesn't mean Goody got fleeced. It just means that the Miami Dolphins are dumber than the Raiders are because I think the Raiders gave up too much. In what universe do you give up a first and second round pick and $28 million to a wide receiver? In no universe do you do that. That was stupid. But the Raiders' loss is our gain. Miami was stupider than the Raiders were. That doesn't mean we got ripped off. It means the Chiefs got a bigger payday from an even worse decision. If, in fact, it is a bigger payday, which I think is fair. If nothing else, if all things are equal, I probably would take the quantity Right, because they instead of getting two picks, they got what five? Which again, that's built in. Those five are equal to our two. Because by the way, that they they technically didn't even get a first round pick. Their one first round pick is pick twenty nine. And having as Packer fans, we should understand that when you pick at the back of the first, you're kind of picking in the second round because there are only so many first round prospects. And the problem with picking at pick twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, thirty two, whatever is that a lot of the time you don't get, you know, there might be 25 first-round prospects, there might be 22 first-round prospects. There could technically be 34, but usually when you talk to people, there's less than 32 first-round prospects. 
And so they, they kind of got, they started with a second round pick and very early second round pick. And granted, they could use some of that ammunition to trade up, but that's the point. The first and second they got is, is probably about equal. I'm not going to do the math right now because I want to, I actually did get up on time. So I want to be able to capitalize on this. The first and second they got is equal to about the first that we got. You'd have to, you'd have to put them together just to get to 22, which I tell you what, the way things are going. Actually, let me look at it. Let me, let's do this. I've got a, a bunch of, we've, we've got a little Discord chat. There's, there's the Patreon Discord with a bunch of people, but then there's also my team that uh, works together. And the team has been doing mock draft after mock draft, and I'm digging it. And one of the things that uh, the guys that the guys have been talking about a lot is that they're starting to like the idea of trading back. The Chiefs have two first-round picks now. They got the um, two firsts, two seconds, two thirds, two fourths, and four seventh-round picks. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be a first and a second. It would be like a first and a third. And I don't want third-round picks because they're just cursed. So never mind. I was going to say, if, if we could trade back to like pick 30 from pick 22 and get an additional second, I would do that in a second. But it looks like that's not the case. Although again, if they really, really, really were desperate to move up, it's not that far off. They could get to about pick 20. We're at pick 22. If, uh, you know, Pittsburgh and New England, you know, if, if they're really desperate to get up to 22 and they're like, well, I'll give you a first and a third. It's like, mm, no, you're going to give us 30 and then pick 62. And then we'd end up with uh, two firsts and three second round picks. 28, 29, 53, 59, 60, uh, 62. But here's another, an, an, another way to look at this. As I said, the compensation is massive. The idea that wide receivers are getting paid as much as they are, it actually kind of boggles the mind a little bit. Think back to when the Chicago Bears acquired Khalil Mack from the Oakland Raiders, and we're talking about peak Khalil Mack. We're talking about maybe the best pass rusher in the entire NFL. The Bears gave up a first-round pick and a sixth-round pick, and then a next year's first-round pick and a third-round pick. But remember, the Bears got back a second-round pick. It was essentially the equivalent of a first and a second-round pick. The Packers got for a wide receiver the same compensation the Raiders got for the best pass rusher in the NFL. The amount of compensation we got is insane. It's, it's stupid. It's really, really, really high. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find many quarterbacks that get traded for this. Obviously, the, the trade for Matt Stafford was pretty massive. It was a third-round pick this year, and then a first-round pick next year, and a first-round pick the year after, on top of a quarterback. But Jimmy Garoppolo, who's been the quarterback for the 49ers for many, many, many years, who got massive sums of money, was traded for a second-round pick. Sam Bradford, remember when he got traded? When he was seen as like a really, really big deal? He got traded for a fourth-round pick and a next year's first-round pick. Alex Smith, two second-round picks. I mean, th these are quarterbacks. Donovan McNabb got traded for a second and a fourth. I'm just, I'm just going back trying to find any kind of high picks for anybody here. This is just not something you find of a first and a second for anybody. We're talking wide freaking receiver. So here's, here's sort of my final thought on this. When we talk about the Packers and how they call about everybody and, and how that's not necessarily about interest, it's about gauging the market. The market doesn't just mean how expensive is this guy? How expensive is that guy? It's gauging how much interest there are in certain positions. And I think what the Packers found is the wide receiver market is insane, which is really interesting to me because 
usually if it's a really, really good draft, it tames the market a bit. And so I wonder if maybe we're overstating how much the NFL loves the wide receivers in this upcoming draft, which again, doesn't really surprise me because we know there aren't a lot of top end guys and a lot of the, the, the best of the best have issues, right? They're all really small. I'm starting to wonder if uh, Traylon Burks doesn't slide into the second round at this point. His pro day was not good. I mean, the athleticism for him is just not there. And so it, it's becoming pretty clear to me, in my mind anyways, that he will not be Debo Samuel. He's built like a freight train, and that's cool, but he's starting to seem more and more like a Ty Montgomery. He's uh, too much of a running back to be a wide receiver and too much of a wide receiver to be a running back. And so you got a really tall guy that struggles to separate. You've got a really big guy that's not very athletic. And then you got a bunch of really small guys, half of whom at least have injury issues. Either way, whether it has anything to do with the draft or not, I think the Packers found out that the market for wide receiver is out of control. And we started to see that come to fruition as these contracts started to get thrown around. And we started to see guys getting $15 million contracts that we didn't think were worth very much at all. And they were getting snapped up left and right. Everybody's going out for wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Everybody is in the market for wide receiver. And that's a big part of the reason why the market was so hot. And so that ultimately had a big um, negative implication for the Packers and their aspirations to keep Devontae. On top of Devontae just saying, I'm not playing for you anymore, I want to go to the Raiders, they also realized when they checked around to see how hot the market was and called around and found out, you know, the price is going up, 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 because everybody wants wide receivers, they realized that the, how much it would cost to keep him is going up, but also the compensation for trading him is going up. And so the, 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 the scales are clearly tipping in favor of move on from Devontae, because It's going to cost way too much to keep them, and you're going to get really stupid, psychotic compensation for Devontae Adams if you trade him. So again, the the idea that we got fleeced because Tyreek maybe got a little bit more is so insane because you're not recognizing how... I mean, it's almost like, do do people pay attention at all? Show, Show me how many times a wide receiver has been traded for this kind of compensation. Julio Jones just last year was a second and a conditional fourth. In the next year, a second round pick in a next year's 2023. Brandon Cooks, right? Very, very good wide receiver, second round pick. Stephon Diggs got a first round pick, a fifth, a sixth, and a next year's fourth, but they gave back a seventh. I don't know what the math on that is, but it's still more in our favor. Just to give you an idea of what the values are and how quickly they drop off, a second round pick just kind of in the middle somewhere is about 120 you know, points. A fifth is like 10. So you can add as many 5th, 6th, 7th as you want. It doesn't matter. A 5th plus a 6th plus a 7th is about 17 compared to about 120. So it's nowhere near a second round pick. If you think there's any world in which a 5th, 6th, 7th, you can add 5 5th, 6th, and 7th, and nobody's giving you a second round pick for that. How about DeAndre Hopkins, best wide receiver in the NFL for a 2nd, a 4th, and a, I mean, a, a running back of some stature? Not very much. Emmanuel Sanders was a third and a fourth. Um, Muhammad Sanu was a second. Demarius Thomas was a sixth. I mean, that was at the end of his career, but still. Odell Beckham, one of the bigger wide receiver trades. Remember Odell Beckham from the Giants to the Cleveland Browns, one of the best wide receivers in football considered to be? First and a third. And Jabril Pepper. So maybe you can call that a first and a second. It's a psychotic amount. You're not seeing, I mean, I don't see too many picks that are more, do you? Amari Cooper for a first. 
I don't see any precedent here to say, well, we got fleeced because usually for best wide receiver, it should have been two first round picks and a player. Where do you see that? Where do you see that level of compensation ever for a wide freaking receiver? Brandon Kick Cooks the first time was a first and a sixth. Jarvis Landry to the Cleveland Browns for a fourth and a seventh. Brandon Cooks, when he went from the Saints to the Patriots, was a first and a third. Percy Harvin from the Vikings to the Seahawks, a first, a seventh, and a next year's third. That's less. I'm just finding any trade that was really high. We're talking first round pick here. Um, Roy Williams in 2014 from uh, Lions and Cowboys trade, first, third, and next year's sixth. Dion Branch, first round pick. So again, and, and, and some of the players you guys think we're going to get is just insane. This was top of the market especially when you factor in how much money they're also paying him number one wide receiver money. And there's no, when, when, when the Texans traded for DeAndre Hopkins, remember they gave him most money in the NFL, but they didn't have to pay all of that because the Texans were paying a portion of that contract. The Packers are paying $0. And, and, and finally, the last thing to keep in mind here is that we had less leverage. We didn't have Devonte Adams on our team when we traded him. He was essentially a free agent. He never signed his tag, so we had no rights to him. He has to volunteer to sign his tag in order for us to trade him. In other words, he has to agree to even be on the team first and then get sent over. Tyreek Hill is a chief, was a chief. And also, Devontae said, I'm playing for the Raiders. So we don't get the benefit of a, of a trade war, of a bidding war. Because no matter how bad Denver or Jacksonville or Miami or the Jets or anybody else might have wanted him, when they find out that he doesn't want to go there, they're not going to bid for him, and that makes the price not go up. Tyreek was wide open to any team that would pay him the most money, bottom line. So any team that was willing to give up what the Chiefs were asking for and was willing to pay Tyreek the most money would get Tyreek. That causes the price to go up. So these are all the factors. And again, at the end of the day... There is no reason to be mad at the compensation. We got phenomenal compensation for Devontae Adams. If you wish they would have sweetened the pot so that we got slightly more than Tyreek Hill, you got to understand, we're talking about like a sixth round pick or something. It's nothing that interesting or a next year's fifth or, or whatever. I mean, it's, it's useless garbage. And at the end of the day, Tyreek, the Chiefs would have just upped their ask because they're just raising it to, I want what the Packers got. So it just would have meant that they get even more and we'd still be sitting right here. And again, there's no reason for them to say, we, you got to sweeten the pot, we need more, because we don't, because that's a crazy amount that we're being offered. Again, going back to my analogy, be like, hey, here's 10 grand. And you're like, I don't know, man, I think I want 11. Pfft. It's $10,000. How about you shut up? So no, uh, Brian Gutekunst was not fleeced. We didn't get less than whatever. You just have no perspective on any of this. Is there a universe in which we get thrown an additional sixth round pick or something? Yeah. Does that make the difference between great trade and fleeced? No, not even close. What universe would that make any sense whatsoever? And the, the, again, the idea that we could have thrown in a player is out of the... You, insane, absolutely insane. Now you're talking about throwing in like an additional second round pick. No way in the world. Zero chance that happens. I understand that some of you, it's just that you're mad that Devontae's gone. Some of you, you just love every chance you can get to attack Brian Gutekunst. But the fact of the matter is, this is a losing battle for you. 
We've got we got more than adequate compensation for Devontae Adams because we traded him in a really, really, really hot wide receiver market, and that's what happens when you trade a player in a really, really hot market. That's just what happens. It also may have something to do with why we're not signing wide receivers right now. Because the Packers care about value, and the value is just not there right now with these wide receivers. Their asking price is too high. And so the only, there's only two ways to remedy that. One, you don't end up getting a wide receiver. Or two, you let these guys punch themselves out until the market cools, because there's still actually a lot of wide receivers available. And at this point, there's a lot of teams that are off the market. Miami is no longer looking for wide receivers. Jacksonville is no longer looking for wide receivers. Um... The Raiders are no longer looking for wide receivers. The Browns are no longer looking for wide receivers. A lot of teams that are looking for wide receivers are off the market. Then you got teams who don't have the money. You know, you've got, for example, the Vikings. They don't need wide receivers and they don't have money anyway. So they're already eliminated from this. The Bears may still be in the market. The Lions may still be in the market. There's a lot of teams that may still be in the market, but you got to let these things cool. And if that means you miss out, then you miss out. But I'm not going to just spend money wildly and stupidly just because I'm panicked. That's not how we operate. We're not going to do that. So we're going to find players that we find to be a really good value, and that's it. And if if we can't find them, then I guess we're going into the draft with a need at wide receiver and a dire need if, if need be, and it seems like that maybe just is what it is. But again, there's a lot of wide receivers available, and one by one, the teams start falling that are looking for wide receivers. And as that happens, it cools the market. It's all supply and demand. And as the demand goes down, you've got more wide receivers than you've got players. And granted, all the best ones presumably are gone. But still, now now the market tips in the favor of teams. Because players are starting to realize, I'm running out of options here. So I got to start dropping my price or I'm going to go without a team here. Can you imagine being a guy like Julio Jones looking at a league that's about to move on because his asking price is just too high? He's saying, I'm Julio freaking Jones, you're going to pay me this much, and all the teams are saying, no, I'm sorry, you're not worth that, and one by one, teams are dropping off, and you've only got a handful of teams left with their with their handout going, this is what you get, or we'll just move on. So, I mean, you, you've got, MVS is still out there, and it looks like the Chiefs are, are you know, because now they're on the market, um, they're looking real hard at MVS, which again, I'm, I'm fine with, I think his, he's priced way too high. You've got Emmanuel Sanders, Sammy Watkins, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, Jarvis Landry, Cole Beasley, Keenan Cole, Julio Jones, Will Fuller, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green. And again, I fully understand some these guys aren't always the, the best of the best, but we're, we're talking about just setting a floor here. That's all we're looking for. And if you're going to ask for stupid amounts of money, I'm sorry, I'm not going to spend that much money just to set a floor and then try to draft somebody that's better than you. They also probably want multi-year contracts. The Packers are not interested in long-term contracts with probably any of these guys. We just signed somebody and it was a one-year contract. So these guys are looking for long-term, big-money contracts, and the Packers are like, dude, come on. I'm sorry, but no, you guys are all old and beat up, and, you know, I'll, I'll give you a one-year prove-it thing, and if you can, you know, whatever, best of luck to you, but we're not doing more than that. And so, as I said, I, I think the Ra- what the Raiders in Miami did was stupid, and I had a little bit of pushback on what Miami did, but the fact of the matter is Miami has no picks now. They still need massive help on their offensive line. They still need massive help defensively. I don't know where the concept that they have a top five defense comes from, but they absolutely, I think they ranked like 16th in terms of defense. I think DVOA, they might've been 10th, but you know, the idea that they need no more help, that that team that struggles to even make the playoffs is just a wide receiver away is insane. Again, just the offensive line. Well, they addressed it. They added two players, right? They had five bad offensive linemen. Now they have three bad offensive linemen. You have no interest in doing anything for your offensive line. You have no money. You have no picks. 
So you will do nothing to help your quarterback as far as his offensive line, but you're going to add to the wide receiver room, which by the way, the wide receivers are not bad on your team. That's one of the few needs you don't have. You can upgrade it if you want, but I don't, I, I, I have no idea what the heck you're doing, man. No idea. So we'll see what happens. And final note before we take a break. It's true now, but it's, it's also true throughout all time. The Packers do have an interest in wide receiver, and they always have. The idea that they've never really wanted to add a wide receiver is false. The Packers would like to get better at every single position that exists. But there's only so much you can do. There's only so many picks. And when it comes to free agency, they're not going to overpay. And wide receiver is one of those positions that probably gets overpaid more than a lot of other positions. Especially when you consider the, how, how much the Packers value wide receiver compared to what the rest of the league values wide receiver. And maybe the, the Packers are wrong on that. But the fact of the matter is the value just doesn't generally line up. But it's not true that the Packers don't want to add wide receiver. Of course they do. And they always have. We know for a fact that just about every year the Packers have been targeting wide receivers and they've fallen because, again, the rest of the NFL values wide receiver higher than the Packers do. So they're going to trade up and they're going to get all these wide receivers before the Packers see a good value for them. Same is true with linebacker. It's not true that they don't want linebackers. They're willing to take them if they find a good value, but the value hardly ever falls to them. So I just want to dispel the notion that um, they, they have ch- made the decision that they don't want to add wide receiver. They've never made that decision. They have very few decisions they can make. And with every decision, they try to upgrade their team overall and get the, do that by gr- grabbing the best available players that they can find. The fact that they have picked a defensive tackle or the fact that they got Elton Jenkins to bolster the offensive line doesn't mean they don't want a wide receiver. It means that in that particular spot, they felt that Elton Jenkins was better than any option at wide receiver. And pick by pick, option by option, decision by decision, it's come down to that. Because you don't get the option of just doing everything you want. The Packers would love to have a better offensive line. They would love to have better wide receivers. They would love to have better tight ends. They would love to have better linebackers and safeties and everything else. If they had the option to just take whoever they want, whenever they want, they would upgrade every single position. But you don't have that option. So it's, it's nitpicky, but I want to make sure that we're, we're understanding this properly. The Packers have never made a decision to not upgrade wide receiver. They, they never at one point said, I don't want any better wide receivers. I like the guys we have. They've said they like the guys that they have, of course. And, and they would say that, again, they say that about defensive. They would say that about every position they have. We love the guys we have. That's not the point. They have never at any point said, I refuse to draft a wide receiver because our room is perfect. And it doesn't need any upgrading or any changing. That's not the reality. Again, it's nitpicky, but some of the terminology and, and the way people are phrasing things, you know, that there's a lot of, we're in this situation because the Packers refused to, to get any wide receivers in the past. No, they tried and were not able to find a good value. And they, and they refuse. it's true they refused to reach on wide receiver prospects. And to be honest, that's probably a good thing. Because a lot of what we're seeing is it's better to try and fail than to not try at all. And I don't subscribe to that. Would you rather we drafted a wide receiver instead of Elton Jenkins just to make you feel better about the wide receiver situation? You would rather we don't have a guy like that and get a wide receiver that failed just so that we could say we did it? Because I can go back and and talk to you about a lot of wide receivers that we could have drafted that are not very good, and we would still be in this position. By the way, we did draft Amari freaking Rodgers, and nobody seems to care, right? Finally, they got a guy right. That, That was the whole narrative, which is, again, hilarious. Because, the, 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 again, the media spin, especially the draft media spin, which they, they can spin stuff real hard. One of the only picks the Packers have ever made that the draft media has ever liked, at least since Brian Gutekunst has come on board, is Amari Rodgers. 
I don't remember any other pick in which they were gushing over. Not one. Amari Rodgers is the one pick that everybody loved. Packer fans loved it. The draft community loved it. Everybody said it was the greatest pick the Packers have made in the Gutekunst era. And now what's the narrative? The Packers refuse to do anything to help Aaron Rodgers. They refuse to get wide receivers. You're only saying that because it didn't work. So what you're really saying is, it's not that you aren't drafting wide receivers, it's that you're not drafting wide receivers that also pan out. Well, how many options to do that have they had? Because the vast, 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 vast majority of wide receivers that they could have drafted would be complete failures. Finally, since we're on that point, I want to address one additional thing. You know what? Let's do it after the break. Let's just, let's wait. Keep that in, in your mind because I'm, I'm stacking this side of the break really heavily because I just can't, everything's running into everything else. But I want to uh, elaborate on Amari Rogers a bit. But uh, remember to head over to the Facebook group. We got a GoFundMe for Jamie and Carter over there. Thank you very much to Silvestri for the donation. Head over to Twitter. We have a GoFundMe set up over there for Drew to get his seizure service dog. Head over to a Modern Frontier if you want to buy yourself a big old box of meat. Every time I go to his website, he's got uh, more stuff. He he had a video up recently about these log dogs, which are, um, I don't know, you'd have to see the video. I guess it, it, It's kind of a, I don't know, but he's selling them and you can buy them. There's also a butcher's dozen ground beef, one-eighth grass-fed beef box, one-quarter pastured pork box, and then a taste of the farm sample box, um, which is kind of a, a mixture of beef, pork, and chicken. And as I said, I knew there was chicken involved in this. He also has pastured chicken sample box. Be tempted to get that. It seems wrong to buy chicken in bulk, but I, I just, I like chicken, man. Chicken's generally cheaper, although... It's really, in the store these days, it's crazy. I'd have to look at it and see if, if I can get a good price on it. Let's see what's in here and I'll have to compare it to what you get at the store because chicken is, is insane. But it's four whole chickens, uh, one bone-in breast, one, uh, and this, these, these are packages, two to two and a half pounds of bone-in chicken breast, one package of 2.5 to 3.25 pounds of leg quarters. And again, you got four whole chickens involved in that, so that's uh, that's a lot of chicken. I don't know, it's tempting. But again, maybe I'll just get the uh, Taste of the Farm or whatever that's called. Taste of the Farm sample box, there you go. So lots of different options. Head on over there again. Send them a, a message if you are got any questions and whatnot. Um, use promo code MEATPACKER, one word, all caps. I want to ask you guys for one other thing real quick. I'm, I'm putting this sort of competition thing with a bunch of other guys maybe a couple gals. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not really relevant. But the winner of this competition gets a fat stack at 80 gallon smoker, which is one of those things where I'm not going to spend the money on this because I'm still relatively new to smoking. But if somebody's going to give me one, I will take that all day. It's about a $3,500 smoker. And it is basically, as far as I'm concerned, because I'm never going to get anything better than this, the absolute top of the line. The winner just gets one. And it's a very simple thing that I need here. I need to send an email to a very popular uh, YouTube uh, grill guy. If you watch any YouTube grilling, smoking videos, you know who this guy is. But I need to send him the best idea I have for a video that he can do on his channel. So if you have any ideas about what would be a really good grilling video, smoking video, and he does a lot of like experimental stuff, please send me that idea. And I will happily compensate you if need be. If if your idea wins me this $3,500 smoker, we will, you can come to my house and we will smoke food. How does that sound? That will be your prize for giving me this idea. You come right to my house. We will smoke meat and talk football and have a good old time. I need that idea, man. Anyways, 
I haven't, I haven't begged you for something in a while, but I'm going to beg you for this. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, real quick, let's talk about Amari Rogers because the guy's getting entirely too much hate from the fan base. And I've been saying this for a while now. Um, it's, it's very similar to Jordan Love, which is weird because people hated the Jordan Love pick to begin with. Nobody hated the Amari Rogers pick, but it's amazing how quickly Amari has just gone right into the dumpster. And I, the only thing I could think is because it's because we had such high expectations and because nobody listened to me when I said don't expect him to play very much, just like A.J. Dillon and a lot of the rookies, they don't like to play these guys very often. And if Jair hadn't gotten hurt, I don't know that we would have seen very much of Stokes either. And so we might be in the same situation where Eric Stokes doesn't play very much, and so our assumption is he must be garbage. Although if Jair doesn't get hurt, I don't know if we got Razul Douglas. But you, you get my general point. There was a need for him to play. There isn't a need for Amari to play, so he didn't play. Especially since we got Randall Cobb, which again was not in the Packers' plans. They wanted probably Amari to be the guy, but we got Randall, and so Randall was the guy. And he also had like a fumble on a kick return or something, so everybody hated him. Despite the fact that after that, he actually did a really good job on returns, we just completely forget about that because once you get a narrative in your head, it's so hard to get it out. And this is, this is, this is why I hammer stuff so much on the podcast because it doesn't matter how much I say it or how much anybody says it, when a narrative gets embedded in the fan base, there's no getting it out. It takes years. I mean, that's what happened with Kevin King. Now everybody's like, oh, Kevin King is terrible. Blah, 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 blah. There was years of me having to sit here and scream, the guy's not good. The guy's not good. The guy's not in every, nobody would listen. Nobody would take me seriously. Nobody wanted to hear it. He's really good. When he's healthy, what are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. And after years of not being good, finally everyone's like, oh, he's not good. And everybody knows that. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't get to do that. 
But here is the situation on Amari Rodgers. Amari Rodgers had a 60.6 overall grade, right? It wasn't a 40, it wasn't a 30, or a 20, or a 0, or a 2. It was a 60. He graded out as average. I understand he didn't contribute much as a receiver. He had 8 targets, 4 receptions, 45 yards, 11.3 yard average. There's nothing super great about any of this. He only caught 50% of his passes. Contested catch, he was... uh. 0 for 1, so he doesn't have that going for him. 25 yards after the catch, so 6.3 yards uh, after the catch per reception. That feels relatively high, but I guess I don't know. I haven't paid close enough attention, but that doesn't seem terrible. But again, 60 overall grade is not the worst possible thing in the history of the universe. But let's put that in context, shall we? Because there are certain people that this fan base loves. Again, remember, Amari 60 overall grade, which is average. And I know grades aren't everything. And in fact, when it comes to narrative, stats are the only thing that matters. And if PFF grades, which is context, doesn't line up with what people think, which is stats, then there's going to be hell to pay. But it is what it is. Do you know what Eric Stokes' grade was as a rookie? 65. Do you know how massive the difference is between our perception of Stokes and our perception of Amari Rogers is? And again, I understand in terms of contribution, Eric Stokes was a starting corner. And also, we don't have a ton to look at and say he was terrible. But if we're really just talking about contribution, again, that's one thing. But but let's be completely honest, that's not what we're talking about. Everybody's assumption is Amari Rogers is a garbage player. He's never going to be a contributor because he's so garbage. In fact, we're looking at drafting Traylon Burks, who, again, I've basically said is an Amari Rogers replacement. And I promise you, if I said that and I was able to convince everybody that that's what he would be, nobody would care. They would still want him. How about our second round pick, Josh Myers, that everybody loves and is an elite um, offensive center that is the center of the future and all that stuff. He had a 54.9 overall grade. I don't know where you're from, but from where I come from, that's less than a 60. 54.9, we'll call it a 55, is less than 60. He had a good game against New Orleans and Detroit, 71 and 70. After that, his grades were 52, 52, 60, 48, and 48. So... And again, I'm not ruling out Josh Myers. I'm not saying he's a terrible football player. In fact, he, his pass blocking was mostly good, 80, 72, and then 50, 61, 71, 50, 65. So only two bad games against San Francisco and against Detroit, which Detroit, what the heck is your problem? But his run blocking wasn't great. But, you know, he, he needs time. He really only played four games in a row, one, two, three, four. Then he didn't play week five, and then we played week six, and then he was out with an injury, and then he came back weeks 18, uh, and, you know, he played against Detroit and San Francisco, so you kind of got that, you know, short notice. You, you know, you could kind of rule those out or whatever. Those are his two worst games, which makes sense. He's just coming back from injury. So, but, but that's kind of my point. Josh Myers didn't play much. Josh Myers didn't grade out very well. He didn't play very well. He was a terrible run blocker. He was not super elite as a pass blocker, although he was fine. But the assumption from the fan base is he's great. He's elite. We love him. He's going to be fantastic. He's the center of the future, and there's no concern whatsoever. Amari, though, he's trash. Based on what? Royce Newman, who was drafted after Amari, 55.7. So, so far, in order of best to worst, from the first four picks, you have Eric Stokes, then Amari Rogers, then Josh Myers, then Royce Newman. How about TJ Slayton, another guy that we really like, right? He wasn't great, but, you know, promising. We saw some good pass rush stuff from him, um, which, you know, six pressures on 144 attempts is god-awful. But uh, 52 overall grade. So now we have Stokes, then Amari, then Josh, then Royce, then Slayton. So, so far, he's second out of the first five. 
Do I have to go on to Shamar Jean Charles, Cole Van Lannan, Isaiah McDuffie, or Kylan Hill? Well, Kylan Hill's pretty solid. Actually, let's look at Kylan Hill because that might be the one guy that's above Amari. Nope, 55 overall grade. So Amari was second in this entire draft class in terms of his PFF grade. Everybody else was basically in the 50s. I'm not going to look up the rest of the guys because it doesn't matter. Again, that doesn't mean that he's going to be elite, but the fact that we are obsessed with Eric Stokes and Josh Myers, and we're content with Royce. We know he's not great, but, you know, there's some potential there. And TJ Slayton, same thing. He's not elite, but, man, we love the upside of him. Kylan Hill, love Kylan Hill. Top-tier running back. I think he's going to be a great number three, potentially a number two when Aaron Jones moves on. Who knows? The sky is the limit for him. Amari, trash, garbage, terrible. Based on what? Again, it's not based on not playing, because Josh Myers didn't play. Uh, TJ Slayton didn't play. I mean, they, they all played, but not a ton. They, it wasn't like number one overall type stuff. TJ Slayton was, what, fourth in the rotation? Kylan Hill didn't play. We don't hate him, right? So it's not based on he didn't play. It's about he played and we hated when he played. It's about he's a bad kick returner, therefore I hate him and he's never going to be a good wide receiver. I mean, it's, it's, it's based on so much stupidity. It's kind of insane to me. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be a great wide receiver, but I'm saying we have just as much information as we have about just about anybody else. The best, highest grade in this entire draft class was Eric Stokes with a 65 overall grade. That's it. I think in the last two years, the only guy that had a a positive, as in good, 70 overall grade or higher is A.J. Dillon. Again, a guy that everybody hated and said was stupid, and he didn't play very much, and that was a terrible pick. 78 overall grade as a rookie. That is going to an 87 overall grade. So he doesn't get enough hype, but, you know, uh, Jordan Love did not. Uh, Josiah DeGuara did not. Kamal Martin isn't even on the team anymore. John Runyon had a 54 overall grade. So it, it, as far as the last two years, Amari ranks like third as far as PFF grade as a rookie. In two years, how about Rashawn Gary, right? Rashawn Gary, 90 overall grade this year. He's a freak, right? But last year was a 68. And guess what he was as a rookie? 55.8. 55 is the gold standard for Packers rookies. That's just what they are. Rashawn Gary had a 55 overall grade as a rookie. He is now an elite prospect. The fact that we have to do this every single year, a guy that had limited playing time, did not play at an elite level as a rookie, a guy that has a lot of upside but needs a little time to develop and got really very little time as a, as a rookie to develop, but we expect elite play immediately, means everybody hated Rashawn, nobody liked Rashawn, and, and it's hyperbole, but you understand what I'm saying. There was a massive amount of people that did not like the pick to begin with, and therefore when he didn't produce as a rookie, which a lot of that has to do with the fact that he just didn't play because we have Zadarius and Preston, but nobody wanted to acknowledge that. It's not about that. It's just if, if, if you get drafted, especially in the first round, you should play. You should play a lot, and you should be elite. All of those people have shut up now, but now they just move on to Jordan Love and to uh, you know Amari Rogers and anybody else they can pick on. Again, he's a third-round pick, and, and that just generally doesn't pan out. And most picks, period, don't pan out, right? I mean, it's just, there's no reason to believe he will, but there's also no reason to believe he won't. We have no information on Amari. So even going back to year three, and or three years ago, and Rashawn Gary, Amari is still basically number, uh, what, three on the list of rookie PFF grades? But then you get Darnell Savage with a 65 overall grade, just crushing it crushing it up there with eric stokes son 65 man he's averages all get out talking about that elite average son (laughs) which by the way again and i hate to do this because this is a time when it's really fun to get excited about the draft and all the the help we're gonna get 
we've gone back three years and we found one guy that was good, and it's a guy that didn't play, and he was a running back by the name of A.J. Dillon. Everybody else has been pretty bad, like 50s, and two guys, three guys have been in the 60s. One of them is Amari Rogers, who everybody hates. Or how about Mr. Elite Elton Jenkins? About to take second place with a 69 overall grade as a rookie. What? Yes, sir. 69 overall grade as a rookie. Elite can't be beat Elton Jenkins. Almost good as a rookie. Second highest grade. Bumping Mr. Garbage Amari down to fourth place. Man. Top tier right there, son. And then you get Jair Alexander with a 72 overall grade. Right up there with A.J. Dillon. Two players, by the way, as rookies have been in the 70s. This is the first time, Jair Alexander, where you get a guy that actually played as a starter and was in the 70s. Again, Eric Stokes, 65. And, and I, listen, I understand that grades are not everything, but I also understand that you have nothing to operate from. Well, stats. No, stats, nothing. Stats, nothing. What stats does Josh Myers have that you're working with to tell me he's a great center? He didn't hardly play. And by the way, Rashawn Gary's stats were not bad, and you hated him too. So don't give me this stats nonsense. What stats did Darnell Savage have as a rookie that made him so elite? What stats did A.J. Dillon have? It's not stats. And it's not playing time. We've established that. What is it about Amari Rodgers? The only thing I can think is he was a part of the worst special teams unit in NFL history, and he gets lumped into that as part of the problem, and, and he is just the most inept moron in the world, because for some reason we can't separate special teams from his potential as a wide receiver in this offense. Not Again, for the 50 billionth time, I'm not saying Amari's going to be great. In fact, if I were to put money down on the table, if you, you stole $100 from my wallet, put it on the table, and said, make a bet, is Amari going to be a really good wide receiver or not? I would say no. But it's not based on Amari. It's based on the fact that, you know, looking at... at, at, at the past of, of picks, Jordan Love, Josiah DeGuara, Kamal Martin, John Run, well, maybe John Ishrun, Jake Hansen, Simon Stepniak, Vernon Scott, Jonathan Garvin, uh, Isaiah McDuffie, Cole Van Landon, Shamal, Shamar Jean Charles. Uh, I'm picking guys that we've pretty much established at this point probably are not going to be very great. Uh, Jay Sternberger, Kingsley Kiki, Kadar Holman, Dexter Williams, Ty Summers, Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, Jamon Moore, Cole Madison, J.K. Scott, um, Equinemius St. Brown, James, the vast, 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 vast majority. And it's no, it's not proof that the Packers suck. This is every team in the NFL is the exact same way. The vast, 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 vast majority of players are not great. And Amari is a player. Therefore, the odds are not in his favor. From the day that we drafted him, the odds were not in his favor. And that's true of this draft class as well. Most of the guys we picked this year are not going to be very good, especially as rookies, but just overall of all the picks we're going to make, most of them will not go on to be very good NFL players. And that is true of every single team, with the exception of maybe one. Sometimes there's that one team that just crushes a draft. And it's kind of just completely random. It's not based on being a great elite GM. Sometimes you just get lucky, man. Like uh, Schneider did that year when he built the whole Legion of Boom and, and drafted a quarterback. And just he just absolutely annihilated the draft. All his picks were elite. And they went on to be a dominant team for several years as a result of that. The Chiefs have been just, you know, they, they had a couple of dominant drafts. I mean, some of, some of these drafts are so good, they just set you up for years. But it's not something anybody does consistently. If you're a consistently good drafter, you are somebody that consistently gets maybe two good guys a draft. So you get, for example, Jair Alexander and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And you follow that up with Rashawn and Darnell and Elton. And you follow that up with, you know, A.J. Dillon and kind of John Runyon. And then you follow that up with, who knows, you know, Eric Stokes, Myers, maybe are the two, maybe Rodgers. I don't know. We don't know. You don't know. So 
again, if, if, if you're just generally saying, I bet he doesn't pan out, fine. I, I bet he doesn't either. I would bet Royce doesn't pan out. And TJ Slayton probably isn't going to pan out. And Shamar Jean Charles probably isn't going to pan out. Cole Van Lannan, I don't even think is on the team, nor is Isaiah McDuffie. I don't know. Maybe they are. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Kylan Hill probably isn't going to be a great running back as much as we really like the guy and pound the table for him. If we're just talking probably, probably won't. Josiah DeGuara, you know I love Josiah DeGuara, probably won't pan out. Jordan Love, we don't know that he's a bad quarterback, but he's probably not going to be a great quarterback. Not based on anything in particular other than most guys don't pan out. And so far we haven't seen anything, so therefore the, the, the best money was always on him not panning out. By the way, every quarterback in this draft the money is on won't pan out. You want to you want to put money down? I'll put money down for you because the money is in my favor. And then if you add in a year or two of not proving anything, even if you have limited opportunities, but in those opportunities, there's been nothing positive, the money just moves even further in my favor. So yeah, Jordan Love probably won't pan out. Josiah probably won't pan out, although it's possible he will. And I really like him and I'm holding out hope for him. Kamal Martin didn't pan out. John Runyon, probably not going to be an elite player, although he did fairly well. He's, he's long-term backup is his aspiration. Jake Hansen, Simon Stepniak, Vernon Scott, Jonathan Gar, uh, Jay Sternberger, Kings. You know, again, go down the line. If you get two, it was a pretty good draft. Now, this year we have a bunch of early picks, so I'm, I'm crossing my fingers for, for at least three. If we can get four, that would be fantastic. But, I, you know, three would be great. But two things can be true at once. And it's basically the same thing I've been trying to say about Jordan Love for a long time. The, the, the best money is on Amari Rogers not being a great wide receiver. And that was true the day we drafted him. But it's also true that we have no information or, or very limited information to give us that, that conclusion, at least in terms of being so loud about it. Amari's trash. Amari's a bust. Blah, blah, blah. No, uh, um, Amari has not done anything yet, but so far we don't have any positive signs from Amari. But he also hasn't been given any opportunity. And he also is like the fourth highest graded rookie in Brian Gutekunst's draft history. Uh, that's probably not true. I think if you look at uh, a couple other guys that I didn't mention because they were later round picks and I didn't care, like Kamal Martin, for example, probably had a really high rookie grade, probably one or two that, that snuck in. But let's, let, let's, let's at least do this with Amari. Let's say that special teams maybe isn't in the cards for him. But if we separate that out, is it possible that we at least give him a chance as a wide receiver? Right? I mean, again, I've said all this stuff a thousand times, but when you are wide receiver, let's see, one, two, three, four, wide receiver five, the coaches don't have the ability to dedicate a massive, you're basically self-taught. My priority is getting Devontae ready, getting Randall Cobb ready, getting Alan Lazard ready, getting MVS ready, and granted there were injuries here and there, you know, MVS and, and Devontae, they all took turns getting injured. So he bumped himself up to wide receiver four, maybe three at some point. I don't know. But your priority is getting these guys right. And by the way, building game plans around the guys that are actually, same exact thing with AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon had to be basically self-taught. I'm not, first of all, building any game plan around you because the, the running backs we're going into this game with are Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And although we have a running back coach, and obviously he's going to help you get up to speed, and we have a wide receiver coach helping Amari get up to speed, that's basically your job as a rookie. Get caught up. Learn the playbook. Get in there, especially as a wide receiver, because if you go out there and you don't know what you're doing, it's not just the coaches that are going to be mad at you. Aaron Rodgers is going to lose his freaking mind, and he will bench you himself. He has zero patience for wide receivers that don't know what they're doing. Just ask MVS and Equinemius, who is now a bear. They'll let you know how much patience um, Rodgers has for guys that are incompetent. So that's, that's the primary thing. And again, you add Randall Cobb into the equation, who, by the way, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, handpicked by Aaron Rodgers. 
And by the way, he's back this year. So how much time is Amari going to get? How much time are they going to dedicate to Amari? And, and, and you know, Devontae's gone now, but we're probably going to what? We're going to add at least two wide receivers, whether that's in free agency and in the draft or just the draft. I, I would be willing to bet anything that we're getting multiple wide receivers, at least two. So if we get a guy in the first round and the third round, or two in the first, you know, first and second, that still doesn't put Amari in the greatest possible position. He's got a little bit of a leg up in terms of understanding the playbook. But again, he's a slot guy behind Randall Cobb, so he, he can't really even bump himself up to that spot. And so now we're talking about maybe running some specialized plays because there's certain things he can do that really a lot of other guys can't. But you're just kind of a gadget guy, and I don't want to use you because as soon as you go on the field, the defense knows exactly what we're doing because we only do like three things with you. And the only way to dispel that is to just put you on the field and make you just a regular old slot receiver. But that's Randall Cobb's job. So pending a Randall Cobb injury, I don't know that we see a massive upsurge in Amari Rogers' snaps. And I'm telling you that in March. So by November, I don't want to hear Amari's a bust. He still can't get on the field because that's expected. And it's not necessarily what the Packers want. Again, they drafted him with no intention of getting Randall Cobb. But this is the situation they're in. And, you know, hindsight is great. Had they known things were going to go this way, would they have made a different decision? Yes, but that doesn't mean the decision was wrong at the time because they had different information at the time. And so this is one of the weirder picks in terms of, of everybody just doing a complete 180 on somebody that everybody loved. I'm almost surprised it's not the opposite where, where you know, again, everybody loves Amari so much. I'm, I'm the one that has to drag everybody down because everyone's freaking out about how good he is. But again, I think that really has a lot to do with special teams. He was like the face of the bane of Packer fans' existence, right? Special teams was the worst thing ever. And he was just the front man. Aside from Mo Drayton, Amari Rogers was the face of special teams. And so we hate him. But he did what rookies do, especially rookies that don't get a lot of playing time because he's not really needed. He was average. And, and really, that's what everybody, 55 is pretty average. A 65 is average. A 60 is average. Most guys are just about average. There's a handful of guys that are bad and, and like two guys that are good. And there's different, again, there's different ways to gauge that. But again, on a play-to-play basis, when you look at PFF grades, he did what everybody else did and, and better than a lot of other guys that get credit. Again, the, the biggest distinction you can make is right between Amari Rogers and Josh Myers. Neither of them played very much, which for different reasons, but still didn't play very much. Josh Myers on a down-to-down basis was worse than Amari Rogers. Speaking about offense, not special teams, just looking at offense, everybody assumes Josh Myers is elite. Everybody assumes Amari Rogers is garbage. That's silliness. We have, we have allowed a narrative to run rampant. We don't know anything about the 2021 class. We don't know if Eric Stokes is any good. We don't know if Josh Myers is any good. We don't know anything about Amari, Royce Newman, TJ Slayton, any of these guys, assuming they're still on the team. And you can pretty much write off late round picks, except maybe Kylan Hill because he's a running back and stuff can happen. But that's it. We don't know any. In fact, we don't know much about the 2020 class yet. We, I mean, AJ Dillon seems like an absolute superstar, which again is an under underreported aspect of, of NFL reality. He's kind of a hidden gem, kind of similar to how Rashawn Gary was a hidden gem. I mean, again, the stats were always there for Rashawn. Nobody ever saw him, so they just assumed he was a bust because he didn't play very much. And what did I say on this podcast? If he gets the opportunity to play more snaps, he's going to be a star. He played more snaps, he's a star, and now everybody kind of recognizes it. Although I don't even think most of the people recognize, especially outside of Packers fandom, how good Rashawn is. So be patient. Rashawn Gary didn't break out until year three. Jair has always been good, but he was not elite as a rookie. He didn't become elite until year three. So, you know, we, we, we don't know, man. We don't know. We don't know what anybody's going to be next year. We should be excited because generally there, there are a lot of players who year two becomes their big year. For some players, it's year three. But almost never is it year one. 
So we we just got to stop with this whole thing. It's 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 really and the the hype for players as well as the hate for players is kind of silly after one year. I'm excited about Stokes. I'm excited about Myers, and I'm excited about Amari Royce, T.J. Slayton. Not because I'm putting money down on any of them being superstars, but because I think they all have potential to be um, contributors, and some of them have a really good chance of becoming superstars especially when you look at guys like Eric Stokes. You look at how good he did as a rookie, how much he played, the statistics as well as, you know, the grade, which, you know, 65 isn't great, but comparatively, that's actually really solid. You look at the the athleticism and, and the, the fact that basically you drafted a guy with massive upside who who showed out as a rookie. It's a, it's a really good sign for his future. But I don't know. Maybe he falls off. Maybe things don't stay that, you know, we don't know. So I had a bunch of draft stuff I wanted to cover, but I think it's about time for me to get out of here. Um, so we'll have to package those up for tomorrow. Uh, again, we've still got a bunch of PFF stuff, uh, or not PFF, um, Patreon questions that I didn't get to, but uh, we will get to that. I want to make sure, again, I'm not just rushing through it. I want to take some time and really address the questions properly. So I'm not going to do that right now. So you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>